Hey, player two, you're awake. It's me, Kitty M, the Org Geek, here to take you through the land of Pod. I know it's been a while, we've been fighting Nurgle and procrastination, but this journey holds travels to subterranean depths, or at least into sewers. We might be talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Deadpool and eSports, Harry Potter, and how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are better than Potter. Come on, player two, let's roll. Player two, come in, sit down. A little bit of sad news to start you off. The Deadpool animated series? Not happening. Instead, we're getting a Spice Girls animated movie. It's got something to do with them being superheroes and is about 20 years too late. But the Deadpool animated series? I was actually looking forward to. I mean, I would have looked forward to an animated Spice Girls series, but again, 20 years ago. A little late, guys. Donald Glover was the one heading up the whole thing. So the story went that the Deadpool animated had stopped being made because of creative differences. Donald Glover, you'll know him probably from Community or if you listen to rap, Childish Gambino, is also the guy who's going to be playing Lando Calrissian in the new Solo movie. He was heading up the whole thing. And this week released a Deadpool script on Twitter. You can take from it what you will, but if this is anything like the Deadpool we would have seen from him, I have some thoughts. And I don't mean to say I'm the authority on Deadpool and my takes on someone else's artistic expression and interpretation of the character somehow outweigh everyone else's. But I do have a Deadpool tattoo and I've read a lot of Deadpool and I've played the video game and this script, this script was awesome. It had the standard Glover drifting in it. There were parts that weren't so much punchy and sharp as they sort of meandered into this sadness that makes you feel uneasy, like you're spying on someone. And I know for most people, Deadpool is a biting and witty guy the whole time, but that's not the full character. DP isn't a happy guy, and he's meant to make you feel uneasy. And that script did that. And it's also so full of all the references, which is standard DP. And the cynical nature of Deadpool, as to how his character is being portrayed in a search for profit, rather than staying true to the character, that part was so on point I almost cut myself on it. It showed me that Deadpool could be provocative and out of order while not punching down. And that's clever. And of course it's clever, it comes from Donald Glover, the man has an amazing mind. And this script looks a little freestyle, a little bit loose in places, but who am I to criticise that? Do you know how long it takes me to do one podcast script? Literally. When this was first done, the Deadpool story was just that the animation had been cancelled. I'm really hoping that we do get a Donald Glover animated something of Deadpool. We deserve nice things. I mean, I don't deserve nice things, but I'm going to lump myself in with the rest of you in the hopes that I will get nice things. Though we are not without our series of Rob Liefeld stuff, because there's going to be a Rob Liefeld universe on Netflix... All I can picture is a bunch of dudes who never skip leg day, but always wear shoes. Always. This will be pretty cool, though. Rob Liefeld is good at making a good basis for a character. Cable and Deadpool are probably his most famous, but he has others. So anything based on his characters is going to be fun. I mean, Deadpool. And that Deadpool 2 trailer. I mean, I am... Um... Oh, I am... Um... I, I definitely needed a minute after watching it. I mean, it was... It was just so beautiful. 
I mean, there was, okay, there was violence and swearing and the references to the comic book arcs and sarcasm aside, you take that all away and then you're, I mean, you're left with nothing, absolutely nothing. And that's how this movie is meant to be. Deadpool is meant to just be violence, extreme and insane and violence. And I'm just really glad we get to live in this time. It's magical. Slightly less magical, but still totally awesome, is the Cobra Kai trailer. I was not expecting that, based on the Karate Kid movies, but 10, 20 years into the future. And the reason it's so good, it's because now I'm not going to be the only one to say it. Danny LaRusso was always a jerk. Let's not get it twisted, Johnny wasn't a great guy either. They were both teenagers, and while I know we see some amazing teens these days, most people I knew as a teen were not that good. Danny was the kid who learnt from Mr. Miyagi, Johnny was one of the Cobra Kai dojo learners and sometimes painted as the bully of Danny LaRusso. But actually, Danny has always been a jerk. Being cocky is fine, never showing humility even after you've destroyed someone. Character flaws to be sure, but Danny never grew as a character in those films. That's how you know he's not the real hero. Johnny does grow. While he is about might over right, he's also developed that philosophy after living in that kind of society that demands it. It's hardly his fault if, after working with what he knows, he maintains a disciplined approach to life as someone who practices karate. He is a product of the system. Danny took on karate to beat people up. Specific people. Specifically Johnny. That's creepy. And that's what I think this TV series is going to show. Two sides of the argument. How both of these guys are two sides of the slightly wrong coin but well-intentioned coin and it's never going to be cut and dried that's what i'm here for i like those shades of gray what is definitely definite though is that chris evans is not captain america after avengers 5 or whatever number that is because he's totally gonna die captain america not chris evans and that's all he'll just never come back because captain america has never died before then strangely come back is that a spoiler for a movie you're gonna see in three years time well, I guess so. Sorry, you should have read the comic books. Now you know how I feel after watching Game of Thrones. Speaking of people who aren't entirely gone, Miles Morales, also not. He's one of the guys who dons the Spider-Man suit. And everyone thought that because Brian Michael Bendis has exited from Marvel a few months ago, that Miles would be going too, but apparently not, and that's a good thing. No doubt you've seen the internet poop storm that is Comicsgate, so anytime I see a character who's not just straight white cis dude keeping on keeping on in a comic book series, especially one of the major two, it makes me happy. Also, Miles is kind of cute, so I'm interested to see what they do with him. I mean, so does the truth. Makes me happy. As does Ben Affleck's back tattoo. Yeah, okay, so it is real. This isn't really geeky news. I just wanted to point out that the idea that Ben Affleck lied about having a back tattoo after everyone said it looked terrible, now apparently he did get that tattoo after all. Not really that newsworthy, is it? I mean, Ben Affleck is not great with the truth. This shouldn't be a newsflash for anyone. And if you say that's a terrible tattoo to someone, what's the likelihood they'll go, yeah, well, it's, it's fake. It's not a real one that I sat through and was painful. And I chose with my own eyes to put on my body for like forever. It's it's fake. Anyway, player two, let's get out of here. Where are we going? I don't know. Let's let's see if the land of pod just takes us somewhere whimsical. I hope it takes us to the back gate. It's not whimsical, but that's where I want to go. Come on, player two, let's roll. 
Why are we in this arena? I don't like arenas. I mean, I enjoy walls as a concept and a general construct, but this is the wrong application for this product. I feel uneasy. Oh, it's because of esports, and there's a lot of big news about esports, so Land of Pod put us in the arena. I see. Esports are a big deal, and that is the biggest understatement I've made all year. Remember the time I said Raisin Toast was terrible? It's so much worse than terrible. Esports are the games that people play online against each other. And the difference between those people and us is that we play those games after a long day at work where we don't get paid much money. They get loads and loads of money and that is their day job. I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm saying I'm jealous. But the great divide between us and them is diminishing. No, I don't mean because the corruption of capitalism has finally made us immune to the fear of being poor because we all worked out we're already poor, while some people have literally the same spending budget as an entire country. No, no, it's not because of Marxism. Kind of. It's because now it looks as though esports players might be unionising. That means they can bargain for better rights and being looked after which is a great thing, and not a moment too soon given that there's apparently been the leak of an Overwatch League code of conduct. Overwatch is that game you can play on PC and console, it's got a whole host of characters, it was widely marketed as one of the most inclusive, family-friendly games out there. All the characters are different body types from different parts of the globe, and every time Blizzard releases anything more than a sketch of a new character, they're immediately shipped with all the existing characters. And, like I say, made by Blizzard. Blizzard are, if you're unaware, player two, easily one of the most, if not the most, successful game companies out there. They know how to create a proper gaming experience, when to nerf characters, and when to keep those stats stacked. They also know how to build community. Blizzard are probably most famous for World of Warcraft, but their reach is wide and encompasses Diablo, Starcraft, and most recently Overwatch, a game created solely with the eSports kids in mind. But this code of conduct is not so fluffy and awesome. So the code of conduct just covers what their eSports athletes are allowed to do and not do. This is a pretty standard thing in most workplaces, especially when you're in the public eye and where your private actions could impact the business. It's not always fun, but it's the price you pay. These alleged rules, though, are going a little bit far, I think. I say alleged because while it's been uploaded to the internet, there is, as of yet, no word from Blizzard if this is a legit copy of the code of conduct for their Overwatch team. And this may come as a shock, but not everything on the internet is true. Unless someone says Raisin Toast is horrible. That person is 100% telling the truth. The rules included in the Code of Conduct apparently don't even touch on the subject of Raisin Toast, which I think is a tragedy. But according to sources like Kotaku, they do include the right to license and use pro players' likenesses and streams of Blizzard games, 24-7 cameras in team houses, teams have to be careful about streaming a game from another company and saying they like it, in other words, they're not allowed to say they like it, more or less, more than two team players can't play together because then that's being a team, and I guess in this sense it's the opposite of working at Renholm Industries because that's a place where they want you to work as a team, and if you don't work as a team you could be escorted out of the building by security who must also do that as a team. But best of all, And that's not all the stipulations that are outlined in the 35-page document. It has the catch-all, don't bring the company into disrepute, while not actually saying what that means, and it doesn't just mean the players. The players also have to police their fans as well. On one hand, that's a good thing. 
If you have fans, I think it's your job to try and make them not be trash fires. Don't encourage pylons and generally be a good example. I know, you probably never wanted to be a role model, but that's part of the deal and it might suck, but that's how it is. On the other hand, you can't be responsible for other people being trash fires, especially if your day job is literally just to play video games. And all of this is before we touch on the mentioning of like a reality show in the code of conduct that the players don't get to sign off on at all. But the part that really gets me about this whole thing is that According to this code of conduct, they can't endorse candidates or ballot initiatives. To me, that's wrong. People should be able to express their own political opinions and their employer shouldn't be allowed to fire them because they did. And quite frankly, I find the idea that any large corporation is allowed to make a call on whether its employees express their political opinions, it's enraging. I mean, yes, require them to make those opinions without slurs and offensive behaviour, but don't make it a blanket rule that people have to appear apolitical. For a start, if you want to be seen as a legit sport, then you have to recognise that sport and sporting events have long been the place where political statements have been made and continue to be made. I mean, there's Guguri, who just joined the Shanghai Dragons. She doesn't want to be seen as a political tool, nor should she be used as one. But she's the only woman in the Overwatch League so far. Everything she does or doesn't do will be weighed politically. So she should have the option of speaking if she wants it. Though she has said she just wants to play the game, and I think that's fine too. If her name seems familiar, then that's because you remember she came to fame about two years ago. She was super good at Overwatch and was accused of cheating. Then totally showed them she wasn't. All at the age of 16. Now, she's been picked up by the bottom team in the league. She hasn't played a game yet, but I'm going to be cheering her on when she does. Aside from all of that, this stay political from a company that specifically made a politically charged game, because you can't pretend that being inclusive isn't a political action, you're not going to make the kind of progress. The kind of progress that is obviously one of the factors of the Overwatch game, telling people they can't put their views out there because of what they do for a job. I don't think you get to choose that. If your views aren't impacting on how you do your job, then you should be allowed to keep doing your job. Maybe that's just me. But I also think that's what we have anti-discrimination laws for. So that people who are doing a job, let's say, totally random example, making cakes as a job. Let's say this cake maker, for specifically wedding cakes, thinks people who play The Sims shouldn't get married. Then that person has the right to express that view. But if they refuse to bake a cake for a couple who do play The Sims, when they've made cakes for people who play Fallout, then that cake maker can be subject to the penalties as set out by anti-discrimination law. Or, in the case of the Code of Conduct, the anti-discrimination parts of the code. I mean, there's 35 pages in there. They cleared this. Because you can still be a trash fire. It's just when your garbage sparks get into everyone else's food, that's when there's a problem. I mean, I would recommend not being a trash fire. But some people can't help that. It bears repeating that Blizzard haven't commented on this. This Code of Conduct could have been a first draft. And first drafts aren't known for being documents containing our most considered ideas. And I hope this isn't what they end up with, because they could be making this so much better. And their players deserve basic rights, because they're still workers, even if they're doing amazing jobs we wish we could all do. And now that they're talking about unionising, I think that's a really good start for all esports players. Now, on to more important things. Apparently, Fortnite mobile app is destroying schools, which is a surprisingly refreshing story to read about, given literally all the stuff kids in America have to deal with in their schools right now. Fortnite mobile is the mobile version of the console game Fortnite. 
I know explanations can sometimes be condescending, but I don't know anything about the mobile game because I don't have an Apple, because I like expandable memory. If it was available as an app though, I would have it, because I have a day job, and I feel like playing games on my phone would help the commute, and I totally wouldn't slack off and play apps while at work. I'm getting paid for those hours. There's a few problems I have with this. Firstly, that I can't play it on my phone because it's only on iOS. But also because it's bringing in those same comments as always. All these kids playing their games, not socialising, and they get stuck in the game. Well, first off, they don't actually get stuck in the game. I would think being stuck in a game, if anime has taught me anything, is really, really cool. But also, have you seen the real world? In the space of one weekend, I saw marches against coal seam gas and lax gun laws in different parts of the world. That's how bad this is now. Who in their right mind wouldn't prefer a game where if something bad happens, the worst that can happen to you is you start again? It's called escapism. It's why everyone really dug Lord of the Rings when it first came out. Also, this is socialising. It's a different type, but if you weren't a kid playing make-believe in the schoolyard, then I don't know what to tell you. Pretending is part of socialising, even when you're an adult. It's just when you're a kid, the pretending is more fun and less anxiety-ridden, and you can pretend to throw firebolts at people. Also, there are unicorns there. I'm not saying kids shouldn't be focusing on schoolwork. They should, but these comments, they're tired and busted, and they make me hungry. They don't make me hungry. I was already hungry. Do you want to go get pizza? Come on, play it too. Let's go. Hey player 2, we're in the sewers! No, this isn't the episode where I talk about Pickle Rick and God complexes. No, this is because of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is the, the Turtles pad. Because a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series is starting on Nickelodeon, and that's the sound of thousands of childhoods being ruined. Except not really, because it's a cartoon that, while no doubt influential, is not the same as your actual childhood, which is hopefully finished if you're listening to this podcast. Before I get to the turtles and the interesting stuff, let's just detour for a moment to Leo's lab. Huh? See what I did there? Made you angry on purpose. I know Donatello's the smart one with the gadgets. Don't try coming for me. I have a day job. I don't have time for Twitter battles. Unless it's about bread products, in which case, I will fight you. So... Now that we're in the lab, I can show you how your childhood can't actually be ruined by people rejigging or refreshing a franchise or anything else from your childhood. This pizza is your childhood. What's that? There is no pizza. It's just an empty pizza box. Exactly, player two. It's gone. I ate it. Not your childhood. Just the pizza. Probably didn't eat your childhood. So there is no way that this pizza now that is in my tummy can be ruined by putting sardines or Nutella on it because it's not here anymore. Or in the case of your childhood, someone making a bad version of a thing you liked when you were a kid, which was probably pretty terrible, but you were too young to realize. I mean, where are our expectations as a kid? If it's brightly colored and flashing, we like it. So your childhood isn't still happening, just like the pizza still doesn't exist. So it can't be ruined. It would have to still exist in order to be ruined. But let's say your childhood could be ruined retrospectively. First, it would have to be done by someone like Rick Sanchez, and he's not in our universe, so. But let's say it could be done by someone being disrespectful and unfaithful to the things you liked when you were a kid. Then I would say, don't focus on Nickelodeon and their attempts to make fun cartoons to bring a new generation of kids into yelling, go green machine. 
focus instead on Michael Bay. He has two good films. Neither one of them are films he made about characters from my childhood or anyone else's. His good films are The Island and Bad Boys. And arguably, the script and acting in those films are what brought them through, not Michael Bay. And no, Player Two, I don't need you to tell me how much you love Michael Bay. I do not like Michael Bay. He perpetuates the fetishism of explosions in place of substantial storylines. His conceptualization of characters leaves me feeling hollow inside. And he's unoriginal to the point where his work is derivative of his own work. There are YouTubes of how he just trots out the same explosion scenes in his movies. You telling me fun facts about Michael Bay will not endear him to me. But it's cool if you like him. You go ahead. Do what you like within the bounds of the law. So try not to be a jerk when you're doing the things you like. But past all of this, let's go chill in the main room of these sewers. I'm going to go all Master Splinter with some revelations for you. It's actually just through this door. We don't have to. Take a seat. This is going to take a while. Have some pizza. Oh, sorry. I ate that too. So the new Nickelodeon Turtles animation doesn't really hit for me. The character design is cool. I like that Rap has a little fang, but that's about it. And it's not that the art style isn't cool, it's just not what I want the turtles to have, but then I'll be happy with nothing. Sorry, I'll be happy with nothing but the early 90s animation of the turtles. For the new generation though, they've thought deep about these guys. The fact that each one is a different type of turtle, which makes no sense to me given the original story I grew up with. That they took away Raph's size is a little bit annoying, but maybe there's a very good reason for that. It's probably to stop kids making makeshift size and hurting each other, which is what I totally did not do as a child. The ship has sailed when it comes to sticks and swords though, so everyone else gets to keep their weapons? The whole point is that the turtles as they're launching them now aren't for me. They're for other people. Smaller people. Ones who don't have the right to vote and are literally never allowed to drink away their problems. I mean, they can. It's illegal though. There is one part I hope they stay faithful to, and that's the personality of the turtles. Sure, they can tweak them, but let me tell you, player two, before you had your Pottermore quiz to determine which house you were part of, we had the turtles. That's right. Others take your Gryffindor jocks with their fancy brooms and high-class parents, and your elitist Ravenclaw, and your power-hungry Slytherin, and your whatever Hufflepuff kids are. They, are they nice or just stupid? I don't... I can never work it out. Before all of them, we had Leo, Raph, Donnie, and Mikey. Leonardo, wearing the blue, was probably equivalent to Gryffindor. A leader, brave, a little bit boring in the personality stakes. He did what was right and what would be considered decent. Leo was ever the leader archetype throughout the animation and the movies. Cool, calm and collected. The only time he gets truly frustrated is when his authority is questioned. This is all quite interesting, given that by their very nature, the turtles are rebelling against the greater authority of society. You could write whole essays on this, and people have... Donatello is an obvious Ravenclaw. In fact, he'd be in charge of the whole Pottermore quiz and make it the most accurate thing you've ever taken part in. Donnie wasn't so much interested in the internal conflicts of the group, and to be honest, I'm not sure he even noticed them, because he was always more interested in solving problems. He would also invent Grinder if he was in our dimension, because he is most definitely into dudes. Mikey is... Oh, he's a Hufflepuff. Through and through. Bit of a stoner vegan who just wants everyone to chill and have a good time. And yeah, Mikey would obviously be a vegan. He would totally eat pizza with vegan cheese on it. And I think he did in one episode. Plus, he's a very sweet guy. Just 
let me have that he might, you know, have something in common with me. I should have at least one thing in common with Hufflepuffs. And then there's Raphael. And he is most definitely Slytherin. I know everyone thinks Slytherin are evil, but that's untrue. They're just open about their objectives. They want power and they're not afraid to show when they're angry, which is just like Raph, who is constantly trying to wrestle leadership from the group from Leo. Now, depending on the turtle you like, I think that says something about you. For instance, when I was a kid, Leo was my favorite. Not just because blue was my favorite color. I mean, blue was my favorite color, but also I respected authority. So it made a lot of sense that the turtle I looked up to was the authoritarian who ran the show. As an adult, I prefer Raph because I'm very super angry and want to be in charge of things in order to force positive change. But also if I was ever in charge of things, I think there's a high chance I would absolutely not do well with that kind of power and we'd be living in a dystopia in the space of a month. I think people who like Donatello are the ones who really do value technology and advancement. They maybe enjoy solitude and don't really understand why there needs to be drama when we could all be getting excited about all the cool stuff that's happening around us in regards to new ways of thinking and discoveries. I think people who like Michelangelo enjoy food. They get that life is too short to worry for too long about stuff, but also that life is too short and they totally value their time here. They put pleasure, be it food or people, or hopefully not making people into food because that is cannibalism and very much illegal. They put enjoyment and happiness ahead of all their worries. So which one are you player to? You can tell me on Twitter at ChaosKittyM or on Facebook, KittyM, if you still trust that place. I don't, but I'm still on there because I'm trying to get very super famous so I can get that sweet influencer money so I can quit my day job and then have time to fight with trolls on the internet each day about more than just bread products. And let me know how that new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles goes. Got a feeling it's going to kind of be good. Let's go to the arcade because I totally Goldilocksed these guys and they're not going to be happy when I find out I ate all their pizza. We're in the video arcade player two because I need to talk to you about video games and mobile games. Mobile games are video games now and that's a strange sentence that I never thought I would say. I've been playing these three games over the last few weeks. Terra, Sims on Mobile and the Harry Potter story. Terra has the visuals of Guild Wars 2 with the NPS sass of Elder Scrolls with the maps creepily like WoW. Sims on Mobile is like if Farmville was very super fast but all your crops never go bad. And your crops are you and your experience points. I think, I don't know. I don't know how Farmville worked. I was more into Cafe World. And then there's the Harry Potter story. It's like the Sims on mobile, except there's magic and no dating, which quite frankly, a dating Sim Harry Potter is something I would play. Terra the beta was just on PS4 and Xbox, so I hope you managed to get some hours in, because personally, this was one I've been waiting for. And they're all very good. And that's it. That's the end of the review. But seriously, let's get into Terra. It has to be one of the most playable games I've seen for a while, at least for a newbie. Here's my main beef with video games. They're tutorials. Mainly, they seem to not have them anymore. Or they don't explain things properly. They throw you into a fight and explain as you're trying to battle some mega boss. Or they say, there's an inventory. Crafting will happen at some point, but that's later. And I have a thing. You work it out. Bye. Terror takes you through it all, peppers in some story, and more or less you know how you're pretty much meant to play by the time you get into the main story. After that, it's kind of like WoW and Guild Wars 2. You grind up your levels, various people help you kill things, and I assume you join guilds or parties to make the world a better place. I say assume because I personally don't do that in real life or in video games because I don't like people. I've already accepted the world is a horrible place that will only get better once it gets worse. My plan is to wait it out, get buff, and then take over at a point 
yet to be determined. My rule will be an unhappy one for many, but it will be short. Enough about what's happening next Tuesday. Terra is a solid game, so if you get the chance to try it out, go for it. The women don't wear many clothes, but the character customization is much more in-depth than WoW without being all-consuming as Elder Scrolls Online, which I desperately want to care about, and yet I don't. Also, the fighting style in Terra is interesting. I rolled a priest because I like to be a healer. Not because I'm secretly a good person, but because healers are the difference between life and death, and that kind of power makes people more polite once they're aware you have it. It's surprisingly nice. Usually as a squishy class, which priests usually are, I find myself relying heavily on others, and while the DPS classes definitely did help in the game, it was possible to solo this class, and that's important to me, because of the whole I don't like people, don't make me talk to them. I told you that before. Now let's go from out of this world to straight up unrealistic. Sims Online, a game that lets me pretend I can afford to buy my own house and have a job that brings me joy while my hair is on point every single day. Sims Online is kind of like the last Sims mobile game except there's little to no reason to ever go home. See, your Sims have a home, it's very nice, but in order to check off the daily challenges, your Sims have to be constantly improving their homes or buying new clothes. In order to not spend actual money you gain by working hard in a job that saps your energy by the second, you send your Sims to work so they can do a job that saps your your energy by the second. You see, your sims can either spend eight hours doing a long shift at a hospital or fashion design studio, and to get these jobs by the way they require zero skills, is one of the more laughable aspects of the sims in general. If they want a new job, you just click on it and they get that job. They often have to start from scratch, but if they wanted to be more realistic about this, they'd have the sims sculling beer and crying over their keyboards in their underwear as they press send on the 50th resume they've sent out in the hopes they'll at least get a rejection letter this time. Where's the option to search for new job for countless hours before watching Netflix in a dead-eyed stupor because there's no way out of the hole I've dug myself into? I may be projecting with this review. Anyway, back to the cute mobile game. Your sim can either spend eight hours at work, the way you wish you only had to spend eight hours at work, or by a series of screen taps you can reduce the amount of time they spend there by helping them do tasks. By helping, I mean literally just tap the screen. What's that? A pun about boning up on anatomy after you collected the skeleton in the doctor's office. Lol, you're so funny. Of course, you'll run out of energy before they can finish work, so you either buy more energy in the form of cupcakes, or you let them actually do some work without relying on you to brighten up their day. In that sense, it's kind of like real life. And while this all sounds like some capitalist mind bent to further instill the idea that our only real purpose in life is to work an inordinate amount of hours to acquire items we don't need so we can succeed on a ladder of success that isn't real and attain a level of comfort and security that is a lie, this is actually just a cute game. You can switch between male and female, which is lovely. The selection of clothing is boring boy-girl a lot of the time, but not completely unflattering with the free stuff. And they seem to be pushing the social aspect of it, something I'm sure I'd care about if I liked people. I got bored of it in a week. What I got bored of less was playing the Harry Potter game. The Harry Potter game is uh, set after the annoying kid with the scar who thinks he's so tough after his parents die, but before he goes to high school with the heroine of the books, Hermione Granger. I don't know why they called those books Harry Potter, but whatever. You're a student at Hogwarts and it turns out that the faculty there have been a bit naff at looking after the students because there's dun 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 mystery that could threaten to engulf the whole school. You get to choose who you are and what house you'll be in at the start. You can change your look throughout, but obviously some things cost money. Mostly it's not that in-depth though. I, of course, chose Slytherin. 
Why? When I'm obviously a Ravenclaw? Because I wanted to know what those Slytherin kids were up to, and I already know how easy it would be to be a Ravenclaw. I'm about knowledge. Also, I just really wanted to see if there was a guy who looked like a young Malfoy there. I mean, his dad, not Draco. It's just, I find him very attractive. He's, he was a good captain in Star Trek, despite all the horrible stuff. Don't judge me. So you choose your house, do some quests. Much like The Sims, you're spending energy to get things done. And unlike The Sims, your quests won't just finish themselves. So you've got to be proactive about logging back in, make sure you're hitting all of your targets at the right time, and generally getting stuff done. Also, your conversations are more weighted. In The Sims, basically, you flirt with someone and then they can be your girlfriend or boyfriend. And that's it. In the Harry Potter game, you have to match up the right responses with the right person. A correct response could mean a different outcome with a character or even affect your skill points. It's just as taxing as real conversations. And you have three main skill trees. Courage, empathy and intelligence. You can build them by doing flying lessons, charm class or potions class. And quite frankly, I'm offended. I get that no one likes Slytherin because they're open about the fact that they want power. Like Gryffindor, Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw aren't all out for what they can get to. But the fact that cunning, or at least speechcraft, is not offered as a skill in this game, I just, I just think it's very one-sided. So far, I've used the skills in conversation with various teachers. There's usually about three separate responses, and it's usually the one that requires courage, empathy, or intelligence that will get you the best result. The problem I have with this is that it does tend to then conflate intelligence with cunning, meaning instead of setting Ravenclaw and Slytherin apart as having different skill sets, they're combining them into the one thing and making Ravenclaw just look really cool. And that feels lazy to me. But then I've never read Harry Potter, so do I care? Yes, I do. I do. It's still part of the universe. You should allow the Slytherin kids to get some points for being Slytherin-ish. But I also don't care that much. Anyway, the story itself is interesting, though I feel the higher up the ranks I go, the more I get into this world. I find the world of Harry Potter much more interesting than the story of Harry Potter, so this perhaps has more for me than it does for avid readers of the books. As a special hint, if you run out of energy, you should look around the landscape of the various levels of Hogwarts. Outside, the dungeons and all of the wings have one thing you can press that may find you a reward. Come on, play it too. Let's head back to the tavern. I promise it won't cost you any energy points. It may cost you some energy points. Too. We're back here in the tavern. I know, our time has come to an end. You really should be playing We Happy Few if you haven't already. Anyway, it's about time for you to get out there in meat space. If you get the chance, please go and see Wrinkle in time. It's this cool kind of spider wick looking, but if kids were part Gallifreyan style movie. I just think it looks really fun and I think you'll enjoy it. There's also the Lara Croft movie out right now. It does not care about the original Lara Croft movies. I mean, I didn't hate them, but I'm completely okay with them being remade to be more like the latest game because that game was legit good. If you're not really into the movies because, ugh, people, remember that there are new elves being announced in Warhammer. That's right, sea elves. I even saw an octopus holding a knife. Pretty much if that is happening, you have me sold. Because I live in an Australian city, so it's not like I can actually afford to buy them and store them anywhere. But I'm sorely tempted to just go into oodles of debt for a house so I have more room for specifically these miniatures. Also keep an eye out for the Black Panther Lego movie. Whole host of voices that you're going to love, plus it's Lego, so I know you'll like it. 
or you won't it's not my call you can like nice things or maybe you prefer michael bay movies but honestly sweetie you deserve better than that you should love yourself more so black panther lego movie over michael bay movies is what i would say also you may have heard good things about a movie called i kill giants check out the graphic novel as well i got to read it just recently it's very cool it's a little bit different from what you're probably used to but get into it okay player two i i can't keep you here any longer portals are about to close so you can find me on the interweb at chaos kitty m or on facebook kitty m and the lander pod at the lander pod and lander pod facebook page okay player two until next time